All right, so we've got Andy Kent on the line from UMI. Andy, how are you today? Pretty good. I'm I'm halfway through a gym session. You are the lucky <laughs> you are lucky people that I pulled really? out of it. I don't do that for anybody. Jesus. Oh my goodness! Pumping some I've iron. Just been through the bike. I've just done the run. Cardio. Hit the, hit the bags <laughs> now, but I'm taking a break to talk to you. Do you have a favourite <laughs> exercise? <laughs> oh look, I, I I'm a bit of a boxer. So oh really? It's a box. Remind me not to piss you off. <laughs> well, lucky you're on the phone. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> So you've got some gigs up uh, in... Yeah, so we're talking to you because you're doing the Under the Southern Stars uh, Festival tour. And yes. you're coming down our way to the Hastings Foreshore on the 12th of Jan. You guys have the very first one. You're the lucky, lucky first. Lucky mm. first ones. And it is an exciting lineup. It is really exciting, especially we haven't had something like this down Hastings. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty big for the yeah, peninsula. huge. This is huge. You've got to hype it up. Huge. So huge. Oh, um, so you've been in the industry for a long time, Andy. A long time. Yeah, Not trying apparently. to make you feel old, but, you know. <laughs> well, I am old. Yeah. <laughs> so you started off, you were, at the, uh, you were the sound mixer originally, originally live yeah. for, for the yeah. band. And then you got promoted, to, well, sort of promoted. <laughs> uh, you were originally going to be the guitar players, but you uh, you became the bassist for the for the band. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, now, I took a pay cut initially. Yeah. <laughs> Would you, do you prefer playing the bass or the guitar? Oh, look, you know, they're both, depends how you approach them. I mean, if you're just like a shredding guitarist, you just yeah. want to wail guitar solos on your bed all day, you'd probably think the bass is a waste of time. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I see the bass as this integral part of great songwriting. It can be really effective and it's yeah. subliminal one minute. And they're not, you know, it's a, these instruments, both of them are, Capable of so much. And yeah. The more the more you play both, the more you understand what they're capable of, amongst all the other, yeah. you know, musical instruments. So, yeah. The bass is one yeah, of those ones. It's one of the subtle instruments, but when it's not there, you're like, there's something missing. We well, yeah. need something here, and it's like you hear the bass by itself. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what it was missing. And a thick bass yeah. line is just <laughs> love a thick bass. It's vibrating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people have got loads of bass lines. That's right. Do you uh, do you have uh, any who do you think are the best bass players that you've seen or worked with? Mm. Uh, uh, not including yourself, obviously. Oh, look, that's a hard question. I mean, I you know, know the, everyone's got their different. own way. Yeah. They're all a bit different. You know, some guys just bang through it, but they've got so much energy, it's kind of cool. And, you know, <clears throat> other people like, I don't know, Ben Shepard from Soundgarden, you know, he was pretty yeah, pretty heavy and, you know, different time signatures yeah. and really thoughtful and made that thing really powerful. And, yeah, you Slaps know, the other you know, and then there's obviously all the soul-based players, which, you know, I've kind of seen but not played with them. You have toured before with Hoodoo Gurus. Yeah. Um, have you toured before with any of the others on the lineup? Um, so we've got the Eskimo Joe, the Super Jesus. It, it, Super Jesus, we haven't. I think we played with them once. We played in, in Los Angeles once and they supported us. I think we we're doing an American, North American tour mm-hmm. and that might happen. Um, Killing Heidi, no. No. Um, but, um, Who Gurus, we've done a lot of touring with. Yeah. Um, when they were kind of huge in the early 90s, 90s and we yeah. were just a bunch of kids, they took us out on these dates, which went to like 45 dates. Australia. Really? So they really, they really kind of showed us how you do it originally. Yeah. And, you know, we do go out every now and then do regional tours together. Both kind of got decent profile, and, yeah. And you know, we like each other's company, so that's that's easy. And Eskimo Joe's 
just bought it off on a journey into maybe 10 years ago. <clears throat> oh, cool. Yeah. So we know everybody, and it'll be, you know, everyone will kind of walk in and hang out. Yeah. be a good, good vibe. Good vibe. <laughs> I would Couple give anything to be backstage for yeah. that, I'll tell you. You can get a press pass. You can <laughs> well, it's, it's easy to do. I'll just give you a press pass. Oh, yeah. yay! There you go. I'll see you there. May I pay. She'll um, be the drunk girl. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Woo! Um, on, I was also going to say as well, you seem to be on all of the greatest lineup festivals that I've – I love a festival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do. I love a DVD of the festival as well so that mm. you can recap the moment for years to come. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, so you've, ha- you've been a star in rolling in so many festivals and I think that that's probably been really great for you to be generational, if you like, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, you know, and your music sort of heard by all, yeah. all the generations, you know, from 90s until now. My five-year-old will actually sing Berlin Chair. Really? Yes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for that because that makes me the cool mum. Yeah, exactly. Well, it depends if you enjoy your your kids singing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It might just be like, oh, God, can we get something a bit sweeter, honey? Yeah, nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) So you, you you played a lot of festivals. You you actually part. Were you in the band when you when they play when you guys played the first big day out? Yeah. 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 Was that how how was? Could you see it evolving to what it became or? I think we did seven of them. Really? Seven tours, seven lead out tours, I think. And is there any yeah, the, sorry. The first one was um first one was pretty you know, they you know, they they became quite industrial, you know, really yeah. big. Yeah. You know, like fucking many cities with yep. tons of you know, it was, they became really big. The, the very first one in Sydney was a novelty, you know, people kinda of rolled in and was like yeah. Well, what's this a whole bunch of bands on the same day in this open area? What's all this about? Like, yeah. You know, there's obviously been famous, you know, huge outdoor concerts over time, but this yeah. was in the royal kind of agricultural kind of area, and things all old. And one shed had a stage, and there was an outdoor stage, and yeah. the Gordon Pavilion had a stage. So a little bit more rustic. Walking around, and there, and there was hardly any food, like Dagwood dogs and yeah. pies and yeah. kind of stuff. You know, no, yeah. no craft beer and beers or anything. Yeah. So, no um, brew, am I? <laughs> no brew, am I? I know, right? Um, and uh, you know, I remember a, a friend of mine comes up to me and she goes, I just walked past Kurt Cobain, like oh he's just wandering around. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Would have been it, weird, it, it but... Was, oh, sorry. It was, it, it was just kind of a very relaxed music community yeah. vibe. It didn't have the kind of enormity that it kind of grew to get. You know? Yeah, the commercial side of things. I yeah. love those stories. And and you've also played Lollapalooza and a lot of other gigs as well. Do, do, do they have different vibes? Are they all kind of the same after a while? Or do they, you know, depending on the city, depending on the lineups, does it change? Or depends on the people that go to it, you know, like Reading Festival in the UK or um, Glastonbury. You know, they're very entrenched yeah. um, audiences that go every year. And, you know, they're well up for it, <clears throat> but they understand the rules and that. You yeah. know, the lineup's big, and they just get into it. You know, say Lollapalooza. Yeah. Very Midwestern crowd. You know, very yeah. white, <laughs> very yeah. kind of damn white so, people. But, yeah, they, but I remember we played somewhere in you know Bumfuck Idaho or whatever, and um, we looked out and I was like, wow, this is like all college white college kids. Yeah. 
and next on stage in the main stage was Wu Tang Clan. I thought I have to <laughs> see this, so, so I got up to outer stage, yeah. and Wu Tang Wu Tang were just winding these dudes up. Yeah. But the dudes, of course, you know, white guys in America think they love hip hop, especially yeah. back then. Yeah. So they're getting right into it, but they're also not enjoying all these black guys going, you know what, you motherfuckers, kind of thing. <laughs> and then they had Wu Tang had security guards for. Super spoken. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they, and they came out for either side of the stage and just blasted the crowd with these things. So it's just quiet. And they're just taking it. <laughs> well, they, they didn't know what to do. It's pretty wow. funny. So. You don't mess with Wu Tang. That's, that's just a rule. That's rule number one. You just take it. Now, you, you just actually. Take it from the Tang, yeah. <laughs> so you're actually born in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, we. About that. Yeah, about that no, I was going to say, well, oh, no. Australia have a, a thing where if you're talented, that we just claim you as ours. Um, so do you still consider yourself a Kiwi or an Aussie? Well, I don't know. If you grew up in Australia and got to 17 and then moved to, you, you, you know, the Ukraine and, and they asked you later in life, are you Ukrainian? You'd probably say, well, I was born in Australia, mate, and I follow the Australian cricket team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where you grow up is where you grow up, and you don't, you never lose that. So. Yeah. But, you know, I've lived in Sydney for a long time. And, yeah. You know, I love Sydney. I'm not going anywhere. And But, you know, I grew up in New Zealand. I've got fond memories. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an international kind of guy. I you suppose, are. Right? I like that. I was actually going to ask go. you about that as well. You've, you've recorded a couple of albums. You guys have recorded a couple of albums in the States. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there much of a difference, uh, like, recording overseas yeah. as opposed to Australia? What's or? the draw? I'm, I've always been interested what the draw is to actually leave Australia and, and go and do the recording overseas? Is it because there's – is it the producers over there? Is it who you're working with? Is it an experience so that you can look back and say, you know, we did that in New York? Well, the first – Lee Ronaldo from, is a guitarist from Sonic Youth without yep. touring and we said to him, you know, come and do some recording with us in Sydney. So he did that and it went really well. And he said, why don't you come to America and – um, or record, you know, record. Yeah. And the exchange rate was such, and the studios were had accommodation built in, and they were, you know, they're a bit cheaper for some reason, and you get a bit more bang for your buck. And yeah. So anyway, you know, we thought, why not? Sounds like, as, as the young guys, it was an experience that we just wanted to have. Yeah. But it also kind of made sense from a point of view of, trying to sell the record to American record company, having an American producer with a known kind of name, or at least, you know, being yeah. Lee Ronaldo. All of it made sense, so we just did that. The next record, we were touring in America, and we knew we had to start recording, <clears throat> and we literally got to the end of a 40-day tour, and we were in New York, and we said, well, like, okay, well, this is book a studio. Okay. Let's just go in next week. Let's yeah. start, or rather than sitting around, getting on you know, numerous conference calls with management and record companies, like, what's our strategy? Where is our planning? It's like, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. So we just said, we don't want to hear about any of you guys. We're just going to go straight down to Green Street in Soho, where they made all the hip-hop records, the yeah. Black Planet and all this kind of stuff. And we just basically got some time in there, and we just made a record in two weeks. That's that so cool. It. Smash it walk, out. Walk, yeah, just walked out the door and went, there you go, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, it. you know, circumstances usually dictate it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Well, we're going to just have a break now and play one of your songs. For those of us listening at home, we're going to chuck on some Berlin Chair. Yep. And we'll be back to you with more from Andy after this.
RPPFM. We're back with Andy Kent from UMI. Um, Andy, question. Yeah. yeah. So you had the strokes open for you back in 2001, I want to say. Um, yeah. Have you, through your years, have you seen any bands where you were surprised that they blew up versus, um, <coughs> you know, bands that you were um, thought that weren't very good that got big? You know what I mean? So basically, yeah. bands that you thought that were not that talented became huge, and yeah. vice versa. Bands that you thought deserved more attention than they really got. Oh, look, there's a long list, and I won't even start because they're all back. Yeah. Okay. This, this is what this is what the word diplomacy is all about. Yeah. 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 That's fair. That's yeah. That's fair enough. Um, and then oh, look, we we, ha- we have played with some rubbish bands, and often it's because. I don't know why, actually. But I, I've got to <laughs> say, though, we, we, we have always picked our sport bands, always. Okay. And they've been The Vines, they've been Eskimo Joe, they've been Powderfinger, they've yep. been, you know, you name it, they've been the bands, oh, it, it, Tame Impala, you yep. know what I mean? Oh, so wow, yeah. we kind of know what we like, and we'll put them on the road and <clears throat> have a relationship with them because you tour and you respect what they do and hopefully they respect what you do, which is usually the case. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's part of a growing process of any band to go out and tour with a yeah. band that's bigger than them. So, you know, it's, yes. it's nice to do. So we've been lucky that we've been able to, you know, pick our own bands and tour with bands that we like. And you yeah. have very good taste. We've, they've all gone on to do well for one reason or another. Yeah. 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 I'd like to think the common denominator there is you guys. That's, yeah. Well, that's not. They can thank yeah. you for your you should, career. You should get 10%. For their career. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, just thank you for anything. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the Vines, you actually played on their uh, 2006 album. Uh, did, how, how did that come about? Was that just like a uh, jump on the album or did was it planned or? Oh, I think Craig wanted me to play on it, basically. Yep. Um, I so I went in and did... A week with them, and he'd been a bit erratic. Well, not erratic, but a bit, <laughs> um, you know, the focus in the studio hadn't been um, laser. Well, once I, it's funny. Once I, I, we went in there, we got a good week done, and then I said, "Okay, well, I'm out. I don't need to be there for the rest of it." Okay. But I think yeah. Craig wanted me around, so management was like, "Can you go back in, please?" I'm like, "Man, I got to keep, I'm busy." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just drop in every day. Just go in there, hang out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think. Often, you know, there's a situation where someone comes in and they might be a, you know, a positive energy in a room, and mm. especially if I'm not invested in the band, then yeah. I can just be like, "Hey, this is good," or yeah, you know, I can see a bit of a balance to it all. Yeah, so, but I really like that experience. I think you know, Craig is; those guys are all lovely. Love them a lot. Yeah, Craig is, is a highly talented individual. He was doing stuff so was, as we were doing takes. I thought, what is he singing? This is weird. And yeah. then I realised, oh, he's playing the take as a record, you know, to record it. But he's singing the weird, the harmony that makes no sense on its own. Uh, okay. It only makes sense with the main vocals. So, yeah. But he can man. hear it in his head. Most people can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And and uh, was that, that is that quite is that quite different to working with Tim? Like, how do you guys work together usually? Is it is it a, you know, do you do you, do you present a song to him or do you write together or how does that work? Oh, uh, look, there's always, there's some songs, Tim will write some songs kind of like, oh, here's a song I have on a guitar, I might not have all the lyrics. Yep. And then we get into that and that will, it'll change because of what everyone brings to it. Other times it'll be, you know, a few riffs and some chords and maybe not yep. a fully formed 
song and we'll kind of work on it. You know, okay. some things depending on the so the re- input of others change into something better, or maybe they, they yeah. we, we kind of realize oh that actually doesn't work. Yeah, you know? so, just pick whichever's best. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and each band member they know their craft, so they can come in and add to it. You know, only the way that they know how. You know. Yeah, it's, that's it's right. That and everyone way. sees things slightly differently. No one sees that particular thing the same way, and so they might. Someone might approach it thinking, "Well, it's kind of like a country rock vibe." And so yeah. some other guy might be like, "No way! It's like a you know, like yeah. a late seventies like stoner rock track." Yeah. It's like, well, okay, and then you keep going with it, and it turns into something else. Yeah. You know? So I was going to ask you as well, like, because you guys came up, uh, I know you won the ARIA for a best alternative album, rock album. Uh, is that Was that a weird time where alternative rock was, you know, coming of age? Was, did Were you guys aware of it or was it just something that you were just playing music that you liked and it happened, people happened to, like, label it as something else? Well, that's it. You know, the music industry, you know, creative industries historically have quite sharp changes. Yeah. You know, the late 70s in the UK, the 70s had become, all those bands were kind of overgrown and bloated. And, yeah. And then, you know, and then the Thatcher years yeah. stirred up a lot of discontent, which then, you know, energised a whole bunch of bands. And all of a sudden, you know, these garage bands, punk rock bands played in little pubs. All yeah. of a sudden, they just resonated yeah. due to what was going on. And, you know, same with that whole kind of grunge thing. Yeah, but you know we're all into that music. That music was what drove all of me and my friends. But all of a sudden, it had enough in it yep. to energise everybody else. Yeah, yeah. New, new... And so the music industry had to kind of react. Like, oh, I've got to give it a category. Yeah, yeah. And it's my favourite category. <laughs> I kind of lived there. I oh, know more of a Wu Tang Clan kind of guy. Wu Tang. <laughs> I, li- I, I really live. I honestly live there. I sort of stay in the nineties alt rock. That's like, you don't have to leave either. <laughs> I, I don't plan to. No. I really don't. And thank well, you. Yeah, that's, that's, what kept, that's what kept you and my going for <laughs> this, this many years. Good, good people like yourself. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Um, now, I know you probably had this question a thousand times, uh, but I have to ask you. So you've, What's you my got, favourite colour? No. <laughs> Blue, I want to guess. Um, no. <laughs> so you open for the Who and the Stones and Oasis. And I'm guessing yeah. uh, the Stones must have been some sort of an influence on you growing up. Did you get a chance to meet them, or? Yeah, yeah, they were they were they were very cool. Was that a bit surreal, or because I mean they're like you know, they're very, they're yeah, icons? They, you know, you, you've seen the images of them and yeah. your whole life. Yeah, you know, your, your parents are into them kind of thing, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, I, I had an embarrassing minute. We had a. <laughs> We had a photograph with them. Yep. And as we're sort of chatting, we were kind of hanging out for a while, actually, and then they said, well, we're going to take a photograph in, like, 15 minutes. But, yeah, cool. Is everyone cool with the photograph? Yeah, no problem. Yep. So I'm standing there, I had my laminate around my neck. Press pass. My pass, <laughs> my press pass, my pass around my yeah. neck. And I had a Sharpie in my pocket, and I thought, I'll get Keith's signature. Yeah. So I said, hey, Keith, you reckon you could sign it? We were chatting for a while, and I said, hey, you reckon you could sign it? He goes, he goes, yeah, man, hand, hand it over. So I, hand, I, I kind of like, you know, put it forward in front of him, still around my neck, and he yeah. pulls out the Sharpie and it's dried out. Oh, And so he's like rubbing it, you know, generously just trying to get it to work. Yeah. And then they went, okay, photo. And oh. he's still like, and he's sitting in the whole room, stopped and was watching the Sharpie try to work. Oh. Yeah. And he looks up and he goes, oh, mate, this little baby works. Oh. Oh, mate, this little baby works. 
I'll get this working, and then finally it's like, oh, it started to work, and he signed it. So you got it in the end. <laughs> and we, we, him and I just laugh. Yeah. Like, oh, they, you know, <laughs> I would have chucked him the guitar. That would be worth a fortune now. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where the, lem- the lemonade is lost. I don't know where oh, it is. Oh, you lost it. After the all of that. It's got to be in a shoebox somewhere, you know. Damn it. Well, I know, Keith. I'll give him a call and get him to sign another yeah. one for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, no worries. No worries. <laughs> uh, now, another tough question. You probably don't want to answer this, but if you could choose to mm. transfer into a different band, oh, what, God. what band would you transfer into? Free agency, you can swap. Maybe I would... Um, Past or present. Maybe I'd swap out with Duck Dunn. Yep, and record uh, a Reese Franklin record. Really? Go back to yeah. Motown. The, well, no, that's Muscle Shoals. That's, that's kind of South. Yeah, yep. Mississippi. That's where they made those records. I was not expecting that. No, yeah, no, that'd yeah. be good. I like. I that. was not expecting that to be your answer. No. I'm very <laughs> impressed. Yeah, no, those records are amazing. Really? Imagine being in that room, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, for sure. Crazy. So, Andy, I was going to ask you as well, What's the has has the audience changed much over the years? Because obviously the technology's changed a lot. Um, do you find there's a much of a difference in audience reactions? You know, is everyone just on their phones now or do, do you still get people just actually letting loose and rocking out to you guys? Oh, they're not so much on their phone. I, I, that whole phone thing, I think it's the... I think the younger that you are, or the more you think you, this experience is never going to come around again. Or, yeah. You know, I don't know. Not and so much, but yeah, there's always a bunch of people who think that yeah. you know they're never going to listen again. But they think yeah. they think they've had enough beers. They think they should do yeah. all that. You know? <laughs> um, and also, do you reckon it would? Do you reckon it's harder now for musicians, or do you think it's easier because obviously? There's social media and you can, you know, put your songs up on YouTube and there's there's obviously more chances for exposure, but because of that, it's also saturated with artists trying to get on, you know, trying to make it. Do you think it's easier? Do you think it's easy? Do you think it was easier from when you guys started or do you think it's probably easier now? Look, I just think it's different, you yeah. know. I think there's the same amount of people probably interested in music, the same amount of people probably play it. Yeah. Um, it's much cheaper to record. It's much yeah. cheaper to distribute, it's much cheaper to communicate. So all those big gatekeepers, which were big media companies, record companies, yeah. there's nothing wrong with those companies, but that was they had the mechanism to communicate or distribute or, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever. But you, these those people can just do it themselves yeah. to a very high level, but at, you know, at, 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 you're completely right. That just means that because everyone has a chance and everybody does it, so... Mm. It's, yeah, it's, a, um, it's, it's harder to find. It's just different, you know. How do you cut through? You just appeal to people. Yeah. You, to, you know, you just be good at what you do and, you know, write songs that mean, mean things to people. Or, yeah. You know. And I suppose or, there's or no magical answer for that. One and one get it on, you know. Yeah, it's just a certain je ne sais quoi that people have and people, you know, yeah. they connect with someone and all of a sudden they're their favourite band. But it's hard, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. It's, it's not an easy thing, but you're right. If you can connect, yeah. then that's everything. And it's kind of cool because it's actually opened up all these avenues to the world stage. So you could be in your garage one day recording, chuck it up on the internet, and you're being played over in London. Mm. You know? Actually, you know what? That is probably the one thing that is doing a disservice to a lot of bands. Because mm. I find that, um, that, yeah, that's it. People are in their bedroom one minute, and the next minute they're to, to rock you know, out to be an actual band, and that takes time. You yeah, know, yeah. That takes many, many shows, 
of understanding how you do it and then how you do it in front of people and how that relates, how that whole thing works with yeah. other humans. And, you know, like Triple J might, or, you know, any radio or any media company might go, hey, we've found, you know, the here's a new artist. And that kid literally created a demo and yeah. uploaded and he's it. he's had no stage prof- to do a gig. Like, I, I've yeah. heard of bands that their very first gig has been, like, quite a big festival. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. Which, which, which means that they're actually, in reality, kind of shit. Yeah. They've not learned how to do it. No, so. it's 100% true. Yeah, you kind of need to, you need to take the knocks on the road just to, to get your strength up to know how to perform properly. Well, just learn yourself, understand yourself, what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, because it's very... Who, who looks back and says, yeah, I was kind of shit hot on my first gig. No one has ever said that, ever. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's very few people that just come out and are instant rock stars they need to build up their confidence a bit on stage and get a bit of presence about yeah. themselves i mean the, the beatles are a great example that everybody thinks they hit the uk with a bang yeah they played in ham they played three thousand shows whatever 1500 shows in hamburg yeah and no one knew who they were in england and then they went back to england with all of that wealth of knowledge yeah playing and that's why they hit it so hard and so well because they knew exactly what they were doing from doing those shows exactly. in Hamburg. Exactly, yeah. Mm, wise words. There you go. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're going to wrap up this uh, conversation. It has been an absolute pleasure having you um, here with us at RPP. And very excited to have you down the peninsula mm. to play for the Under the Southern Stars Festival on January the 12th. So yeah, we're, we're, looking, gonna, we're all looking forward to coming down and playing. It's going to be you know, a yeah. great event, it's, I think. That's yeah. so good. It's it's me. We'll get a couple of press passes. We'll go back. We'll get yeah. drunk with you. We'll, It'll be we'll fun. I'll just, look out, I'll just look out for the drunk girl yeah. and I'll come and say hi. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Mum. And I'll be wearing a Wu-Tang clan shirt. Wu-Tang. Oh, look, there's Wu-Tang and the drunk girl. You're going to be here. Hi, guys. Oh, that could be yeah. a good yeah. name for us. That's Wu-Tang so funny. and the drunk girl. I love that. I like that. Our mums are really proud. Yeah, they are. But thank you so much. We're going to put up a link on our Facebook page as well for those of you that are wanting to grab some tickets to get down the festival. It's incredible and we are so wrapped to have been able to speak with you, Andy, from UMI. Mm. Thank you. You take care.